family unit is. But uh, just this week I was talking to a, a young preacher and he had just moved into a, a new neighborhood and he has two small boys. And he said, my son just came in and said he's found three friends here his age to play with in our neighborhood and said all three of them told him today that uh, they don't have a daddy. And I thought how how fortunate and how wonderful it is that uh, God has put us in this wonderful family. Amen. Call the church. Amen. All right. Well, you will turn with me to First John chapter 2 and then in Matthew chapter 6. And I will try to uh, be as expedient as I can to say what I want to say and then get out of the way. We look forward to hearing Brother Shields today and, and uh, being blessed by his preaching as we have been every time that we've heard him preach. Uh, when you come to a special meeting like this, you really don't know beforehand what all the needs are, but you know that with this many men gathering that there are so many various and varied circumstances that are taking place in our lives that, uh, that there are needs that are there. So hopefully God will challenge us today again as He did last night, and God will also help give some answers and give some direction to us in our life. Uh, we have probably new converts that hasn't long been in the church and others that I can look at you and you've been here a long time. And uh, I know even in this local church here, they've got uh, folks that's been here a long, long time serving God. And so it's, uh, it's just uh, a challenge in this present day to... Uh, stay focused and to fulfill the purpose that God has put into our hearts to be all that we should be as as men, as fathers and husbands. And uh, well, let us read in the book of 1 John chapter 2 and beginning at verse number 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known Him 
that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And going back to Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 33. Very simple little verse of Scripture. But yet it's profound. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. God bless you and you may be seated. Amen. I just want to kind of talk to you out of my heart today. Amen. When things take priority. Amen. When things take priority. Uh, our crisis for America really didn't begin on 9-11. Amen. We have been in a crisis for a long time. And there has been an assault for many years against the American family. It has been under constant attack. I know that it's not even recognized in circles of the world, but we that have purpose in our life and we understand God's plan, we understand how, how much under attack the church has been and the family unit has been involved in. In the last several years, every hellish, unclean spirit Amen has been turned loose to attack the family. And it takes everything that the preacher and God can do to help us to maintain our equilibrium and to maintain our focus and purpose in doing what is pleasing to God. Amen. The divorce rate is skyrocketing. And sad to say, it's made its way into our ranks. Amen. We don't like that, but nevertheless it has. And uh, marriages are falling apart. Uh, people are falling out of love. It's no longer until death do us part. And uh, people are afraid to make commitments that are lasting. And, and the pressure is eating away at the very fiber of everything that's made us what we are as an American up to this point. Amen. And uh, we come to church and uh, we have to somehow uh, close out of our mind and close out of, uh, at least for a little while, we come into the refuge of, of the church and the presence of God. And, 
And we hear a preacher as he tries to, to, to bring us back together and to get ourselves focused on things that are right and things that are pleasing. It's not always easy to make the right choices and to place your priorities as God would have them be placed. Uh, God taught a, Jesus taught a, a little lesson and uh, with just some very simple things when he had a man come and say that he wanted to follow him. And Jesus said, well, take up your cross and follow me. And the man said, but suffer me first to go bury my father. And uh, this was a noble request. This was not asking Jesus for permission to do something that was wrong. Amen. But sometimes we are... We are faced with making a choice between not something that's good as opposed to bad or something that we can say it's black or white, but two things that maybe both are noble and both have merit to them. Something that maybe yesterday would be a good choice and maybe again tomorrow would be a right choice. But right now, that's not the choice Amen. As far as the priorities that God wants you to make. Amen. And so Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. He was not being heartless or cold, but He was trying to make this man understand that there are times when you've got to focus on the right priorities in your life. And I don't think there's ever been a time when Pentecostal men have ever been faced with the onslaught of pressure and spirits and situations that will pull us away from the blessing of God and cause us to lose our purpose and intent. I don't know how other preachers do, but always at the ending of one year and facing a new year, even I sit down and I reflect on what our year has been. Even I try to honestly analyze what we have accomplished and look at what God has blessed us to do and then set some goals for the coming year if God tarries and project those goals to our church about revival and growth and building and amen and prayer and, and, and doing the things of the kingdom of God. And uh, I sat down a few days ago, and then when we had our watch night service and read our annual reports, it was a good feeling to say that even this year past has been a blessed year, that we were able in four and a half years to pay off our mortgage on our new building, and that was a great relief. And, and then to count our blessings that we had, of all of the preachers that's come through our assembly and across our platform this past year and even some wonderful revivals and amen, praying some brand new men through and amen, we've watched them be discipled and we've watched them get a hold and they've learned something about respecting the ministry and, and uh, learning how to pray and how to worship and how to respond in life to situations since they became a new person than what they used to be. 
And we, we, we reflected on all of that and looked at that and gave God the praise. But I had to look also at the negative things uh, that's taken place this year. Amen. It's, not, uh, it's always a sad thing, but this has been an unusual year in the fact that I counted up several men that we have lost uh, in this past year. And they were not just newcomers that were just fresh to the faith. Even only one of them had been in less than two years. The rest of them had been in anywhere from two to nine years. And something happened in their discourse and in their pursuit of life. And somewhere in the year's course of passing, they even they lost something that... That, that used to be the priority in their life. And, of course, you've got to try to be honest with yourself and say, could I have done more? Could the church have filled a need better than what it did? And I believe that when I finally came to analyze it correctly, Eben, I can say that not one of these eight men that we lost this year, not one of them, Eban fell into moral sin, and that was their cause. Not one of them was unfaithful to his wife, as far as I know. Not one of these men stood in rebellion against authority or against the pastor. Not one of them stood and said, I don't agree with the standards that we preached. But can I tell you that it was simply the cares of life. And the lust of other things. Amen. That swept them away from the purpose of serving God. Amen. Working overtime and working two jobs. And amen. Trying to satisfy all of the material desires that we somehow feel will will take the place and substitute for the authentic touch of God in our life. Missing so much church. And so many times it's just to have more things. Just to have more things. Can I tell you that four-wheelers and bass boats and four-wheel drives and abandoned playthings don't take the place of what's really real in the sight of God. That don't answer, that don't answer the need for you and your spiritual fulfillment. And then many of these men, when they finally get to come to church, uh, they are so disconnected from the prayer service. Uh, The longevity of missing church, they are so disconnected from the worship service. Uh, And so it just is in reason that they are disconnected to the preacher when he preaches. Uh, They find it's easier to stand against the back wall when other folks are praying and worshiping. And they've been talking about their job and talking about how much money they're making. They've been working these long hours and talking about the fishing trip or the hunting trip. Even I told our men recently, even that back wall will hold itself up. You don't need to hold that wall up. When you come inside these doors, uh, you better come in here with a purpose. Uh, 
You better set some priorities. Amen. Because things, things, things don't take the place. Amen. All of the pressure that we are under. Amen. All of the things that are taking amen, us away from that touch that God wants to give us. The cares of life. Amen. And the lust of other things. Amen. It'll just sap you and drain you. And it doesn't have to be a major temptation that initially pulls you away, but you're just too busy to slow down and enjoy what God has put you in this church even far. Amen. And so, you know, we think sometimes that even we're driven, we're driven to own more gadgets than the neighbor owns. And Amen. And we somehow feel that providing more things for our children, it compensates uh, for our absence and for our lack of spiritual leadership. But I'm here to tell you this morning that what your family is not looking for is more things. Amen. What they want is more of you. Amen. They want more of your attention. And they want more of your activity. And they want more of your involvement in their life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I, I, you know, I know that little song I sang is not a religious song. Amen. If you want to charge anybody, charge me. But I'm telling you... It speaks volumes to us. Amen. We're too busy. We're too busy. we got the wheels turning, and we don't want anything to stop progress. But hey, we better take time to stop long enough. Amen. To absorb what God has so gloriously blessed us with. And say, God, let me take advantage. Amen. Of what you have given to me as a leader and as a father, as a husband in my family. I'm going to tell you, Amen. We need strong preachers, but can I tell you what else we need? We need some strong men to stand with the strong preacher. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let me tell you this morning, you might say, well, my preacher likes me working all these extra overtime hours because it means bigger tide checks. Uh, Let me tell you this morning, that's not what keeps this thing afloat. Uh, We're not interested this morning in bigger tithes checks. Uh, What we're interested in is seeing you break before the presence of God. Seeing you weep your way into the the presence of God Almighty. Amen. And watch your little children uh, as they come to the front with you and kneel at prayer time and dance and shout when you get ready to worship God. Uh, Amen. That's what we're looking for. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let me tell you, you can't always equate things with the blessings of God. I've got more things, so therefore I am blessed of God. Brother, if that was so, Bill Gates is the most blessed among us. 
You can't always equate success with the blessings of God. Because the Bible said Cain went out from the presence of God and the next thing he built a city. Success doesn't equate you with the blessing of God. Even Solomon said, I will I withheld nothing from myself. But you read that final chapter and he says, It was all vexation and vanity. It was like chasing after a wind. Hey, after you've worked all of those hours and accumulated all of your things, I'm going to tell you if you end up empty-handed and you don't have your family in church and your marriage has fallen apart, I'm going to tell you, you don't have nothing. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. How do we get off? How do we break the cycle? Yeah, but we work more hours to buy more things. And the more things we buy, the more we got to work. We max out our credit cards. Heaven, our wives can learn to spend it faster than we can bring it in. Amen. That's because we allow that to happen. I'm going to tell you when we stand our ground and say, Hey, some things are going to change. Even church time comes. Heaven, we're not going to drag in church. Even 30 minutes late. But we're going to go to the house of God. We're going to stay focused on priorities. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Strong men, good men, men that love me, men that would do anything I ask them to, but they're gone today. I want them back. I hope we can get them back. Amen. You go ahead and charge me for being open and honest. I'm not happy I lost one. And I'm less happy that I lost any. But all the sad fact is, is they are gone today. The cares of life, the, the reaching fire, more things has upset their equilibrium of spirituality versus carnality. Hallelujah. I believe that God is trying to challenge good men. Amen. In this last day. He don't need us to roll over and just play. Amen. At the part of being a father or a husband. Amen. I'm telling you that amen, the, the, the family wants you to give more attention to them. Amen. I, I've got... I've got just in fact, Monday, I talked to one of my ladies. Uh, amen. She works days. Her husband works nights. Uh, amen. She leaves at 6 o'clock in the morning. They pass one another. Amen. They're only together one day out of the week. Uh, they got a teenage son. I said, quit your job. I'm not sure we can make it. I said, oh, yes, you've made it on less before. Amen. A marriage cannot survive. Amen. A husband working nights and a wife working days and no relationship. I'm going to tell you, we sacrifice relationships with our wife. We sacrifice relationships with our children. Amen. All to satisfy that lust for a little more money and a little more stability. We sacrifice our relationship with God, most importantly. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. And I said, sister, quit your job. 
Amen. She said, I will. Amen. Because she sees what's happening. I'm just telling you that God never intended for a marriage to survive on that. Amen. Young men, middle-aged men, amen, the temptations of the world are waiting outside. Amen. The realm and the safety of your home. Amen. They'll confuse your purpose in life. And the devil will get your soul if you're not careful. You better love that spouse that God gave you. You better cherish and honor her. And you better love those kids that God put in your care. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus came by to visit Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And amen. He came by to spend some time and to be there. And, and he came to give them something. Uh, amen. When he came in, Martha was so active and so busy. And, and what she was doing was not wrong, it was not a sin. Even yesterday, this would have been all right. And tomorrow, this will be fine. But right now, Jesus is here. And Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, you're cumbered about too many things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Her frustration, her frustration was in the fact that Mary can't seem to catch on to what's happening around us right now. But the real fact was, as Mary had found that good part that could not be taken away from her, amen, she said, hey, even after a while, I'll be ready to help you do the menial chores. Amen, tomorrow, I'll resume my responsibility. But hey, Jesus is here even for a visit. And right now, I'm going to put priorities as they ought to be. I'm going to set them here. Let me tell you, words are more important than things sometimes. Oh, yes, they are. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what was all right. Amen. For Saturday night, it's not all right for Sunday night. Amen. You might go ahead and hit the lake Saturday, but hey, amen, that's not right for Sunday. Amen. You better be in the house of God. You better be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I hear this, and I don't think that I'm the only pastor that hears this, but I, I hear this from women quite often. David, my husband don't assume spiritual leadership in our family. If anybody really sets a president to pray, amen, at home. Oh, I know at church it's different, but let me tell you what, you've got to pray at home. You don't need to let your wife be the one that leads the children in learning how to pray. You need to stand up and be a man and say, hey, we're going to pray together as a family. Praise God. Amen. Get your hunting magazines out of the way and get all these other things that's preoccupying you. Amen. Read from the Word of God and gather your little family around and say, Hey, it's prayer time. It's time, amen, to establish something in our lives that will keep you in this wicked world that we are living in. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And I hear it said that my husband really doesn't seem to understand my needs uh, or even the needs of the children. Uh, He feels like his relationship uh, and his obligation is just to make a living for the family. That's not all it is. I'm going to tell you, I believe God wants to redefine masculinity. Well, there's more to this than being Mr. Macho Man. I believe we have a responsibility as a father and as a husband to fulfill the purpose of God in rearing our children. Amen. I'm going to tell you, you ought to be able to help teach your boys, amen, how to worship and how to pray and how to pay their tithes. How to back up their preacher. Hallelujah. And I'm sure that you do. Amen. But the demands of a job. Amen. I'm telling you, they claim your meal times. Sometimes it's almost a strange event for the whole family to sit down at one meal together. I wasn't raised that way. I'm telling you, when dinner was fixed, the family came together. The kids didn't eat in the living room and somebody else eats somewhere else, but we came together as a family. That was a family time. We prayed together at the table. My dad wasn't a church-going man, but he was a God-fearing man. Amen. He loved his family being in church, and he adhered to the things that he knew made his family happy in serving God. Amen. But oh, we have to understand that it's not, amen, we cannot be compulsively driven and become workaholics, and that's all we think about. I'm talking to somebody here today. I dare say that there's men from all of our churches represented that could and should have been in this meeting, but they felt compulsively driven. Amen. I got to work. Amen. i got to make another dollar. Amen. But sometimes there's more things that's important. Amen. And just making a living. Hallelujah. You know, you can work so much till you reach the point that you're not even happy with yourself. You're not happy with what's happening. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. Let me just make a little sidebar here. Amen. We have to get out of this vicious cycle that we find ourselves in. Let me say something today. Amen. I'm gray-headed. I'll be 60. Me and Brother Harold will be 60 in about two weeks. Amen. i got grandkids, so I'm going to say some things. Let me tell you what. In the kingdom of God, you preachers that's got children. Amen. While you're trying to save other people's children, don't be so busy that you don't have time for your own children. I've watched kids raised in preachers' homes that resent the church and resent saints because every time they wanted to do something, their dad was too busy tied up with the church. Uh, I'm going to tell you, your kids are just as important as anybody else's kids. Oh, yes, sir. Amen. To get outside and throw a ball or to go on a camping trip or to do a little fishing or... Just to do something that lets them know that this is my dad and this is our time together. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That wasn't meant for anybody. I just felt like saying that. Hallelujah. Oh, hear me today. I, I believe if we could hear there are voices that would speak to us words of wisdom and amen, and knowledge from the past, if they could pass through this service today. Oh, they would tell us something. Amen. It's like Hebrews 11 says of Abel, he being yet dead yet speaketh. I'm telling you, there's some that could tell us something today. And John wrote in those verses that I read in 1 John chapter 2, and even after he talked about, uh, I write unto you little children, and then I write unto you young men, I write unto you old men. He covered the whole scope. He covered the whole spectrum of the age group, uh, commending them for overcoming and commending them for loving the Word uh, and their commitment to God. But brother, his next words comes out and he said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. I'm going to tell you that's more than the entertainment world. That's more even than the gambling world. I'm going to tell you we can let this world get a hold of us uh, that we lose our scope of priorities. Amen. Because you said, uh, amen, the three temptations, three pitfalls, amen, that we would face, amen, is the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Amen. I'm going to tell you if Samson can pass through here today. Amen. Samson was a he-man with a she-weakness. Brother, he was a macho man. Amen. He had all the trophies that he could hang up and say, Amen, I killed this one and I did this great feat and I conquered this one. Amen. And if he could pass by here today, he would tell you, though he was born a Nazarite, separated from birth to be special in the eyes of God, he always had a tendency towards lust. And it eventually conquered him. Oh, yes, it did. Twenty years he was the judge in Israel. Amen. And after twenty years, he went back to his old way of living. First to Harlot and Gaze, and then Delilah. Amen. And it cost him. It conquered him. I'm going to tell you, John is right. And he said, to, Amen, to the church, You've loved church. You've loved truth. You've loved God, young men and old men. But hey, you're not dead yet. You're still in the fight. And you better mark some things down. There's some pitfalls that await you. Amen, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If you don't come to church, if you don't really come to church and allow a preacher into your heart, I'm going to tell you carnality will grow to be a giant in your life. And what used to be precious to you will become despised in your heart. I'm just going to tell you this morning, the only reason you love your preacher like you do is because of the Holy Ghost in you. The only reason that you respond with obedience and submission to the man of God is because of the regeneration that took place in your life. 
Amen. Go back prior to that. Amen. And you would not submit. Amen. Your individualism, your, 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 your stoic way, even would resist the laws of God. And I'm going to tell you the only way that you'll continue to be submissive and obedient, even as if you keep that spiritual man alive and keep that carnal man conquered in your spirit. Oh, yes, sir. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Brother Lee spoke so well and preached so good last night. And Amen. He helped me to again understand I don't want to become mechanical. Amen. I don't want to just do this business of church and preaching and worship because I've done it so long it's a good habit to follow. Amen. I want to keep a tender heart towards God. Amen. I don't want to become robotical to where, amen, there is no heart in what I'm doing. Amen. You can become so, amen, so distanced from God and so distanced from the preacher, so distanced from the church that you lose that touch of reality. Amen. But let me tell you also while we're talking about David, amen, we've got to look at another side of David. We can brag and we can boast of his conquering Goliath, but we better look, there was a giant from the inside that conquered him. Amen. And there's been more men that's been conquered from within. Amen. Because they lost that desire to pray. They lost that touch of God. You better thank God every day of your life that there is a prophet in your life that will march down your little life's road on Wednesday night. Amen. Come right into the solitary confinement of your mind and heart on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And invade the privacy of your own private thoughts and life. Amen. And say, you're the man. Amen. God's speaking to you. God's trying to tell you something that will wake you up. Amen. If not, you'll sit here. Amen. After a few weeks of service. Amen. And losing your touch of God until you become so calloused and indifferent that you won't let a preacher preach to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. I'm almost through, I'm almost through. Amen. But, but let me tell you what, we're, we're, we just as well understand we are in a different world today than we were 30 years ago. Amen. Used to, I didn't have to contend when I worked construction with a woman on the same job. I remember my first time, amen, at Shell, at Tenneco Refinery, even when they started bringing women in to be boilermakers with us. Uh, they sent me inside of a vessel and appointed a woman to go with me. And I said, I'm not going in there with that woman. I don't care if we did have on coveralls and we was covered from up here, heaven to our feet. I said, I'm not going in this vessel with this woman. I'll quit. There's other jobs. I'll walk off of this job. Amen. But we're in a different world now. Amen. It's there. The flesh is always flaunted at you. Amen. The temptation is there, brother. If you ever needed to have prayer meeting when you come to church, you better have prayer meeting. If you've ever let a preacher preach to you, you better let a preacher preach to you. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, but we don't want to have to feel like we've got to be so touchy-touchy. Hey, man, every time we get ready to preach, uh, hey, but let your preacher ram back and preach. Uh, hey, but if he gets down to where you're living, you better thank God that he did. That God spoke to you like Nathan did to David. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. I've been studying David's life for several weeks and he had a lot of wonderful things he conquered. But oh, let me tell you, even that year that David spent after his sin, he'd been standing and first of all, you know, the first words out of, out of Samson's mouth is, I saw a woman. That's the first recorded words that comes out of Samson's mouth. I saw a woman. And the next one was, she looked good and I want you to get her for me. Amen. Let me tell you, this is just a men's conference. But we're dealing in realities this morning. Hey, but the devil don't care how he gets you. He don't care how he drags you away. He don't care what he does about the tattered remains of, hey, of a busted marriage or a destroyed life or taking a father away from his children. I, I'm going to tell you, you better say when you come to church, preacher, if you don't preach to nobody else, hey, but I want you to let me bear my soul. I want you to preach if there's sin in there, if there's lust in there, hey, but if there's anything in there, I want it preached out. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Because I'm going to tell you that after the moments of pleasure is over, there is an afterwards where sorrow and remorse will grip your heart. But the damage that's done will not be able to be completely repaired. Oh, the only reason some of you are still here is because, thank God, you had a preacher. He come in the nick of time. He preached to you. He talked to you. He stirred you up. He brought an evangelist in that preached to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Help us, God. We've got to rise above this mediocre... Amen. This mediocre way of living. I'm just floating on the blessings of the church. I'm going to tell you, you better dig down and have a prayer life for yourself. If you're working too many hours and you're missing church too much, you better do something to rectify it. Amen. It's, it's honorable for a man to be faithful and conscientious about his job. I admire that in a man. I can't stand a lazy man that won't work. Amen. Let me tell you, we got two things on our hands. We got America's got a bunch of renegade dads that won't work, that wants to live off of the system, that won't accept responsibility. Amen. Let me tell you what, they can bring them into the world, but they don't want to take care of them. Hallelujah. We've got them on one hand, and on the other hand, we've got the workaholic father, even that wants to dump the responsibility in the wife's hand to see that they're taught and educated and come to church and all the necessary things. That's not your wife's job alone. Hallelujah. But you don't understand. 
Amen. I'm working so many hours. Well, stop working so many hours. It's better to do without some things because things are not important. Amen. Amen. It's a vicious cycle that there is no end to. Amen. Until we somehow bring it to a halt. Thank God for the preacher in our life. Amen. If you lose your prayer life, Amen. Other things of importance will follow. I'm just going to tell you this morning, you can't make it if you don't pray. If you're just passing through the prayer room and you're just mumbling like a bumblebee in a churn, but you're not touching God, it's going to tell on you. You may do this for a little while, but it's going to tell on you. You're going to find yourself defenseless and weak, and when things that wouldn't have bothered you a year ago, they're going to bother you now. Because you're not praying. Let me tell you, the Bible said, watch and pray. You know, you know, just to pray, you're throwing all the responsibility on Jesus. That ain't the way it works. Just praying alone is not going to keep you. Oh, I'm telling you, it won't. I've seen people, I've seen men that was there early to pray, but hey, you got to watch and pray. And you know who you got to watch the closest? You got to watch yourself. You know your heart. You know what motivates you. You know what drives you. You know your weaknesses. You know them better than your preacher does. And you know them better than anybody else does. And so while you're praying, you've got to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And brother, when you've got a weakness or you're getting weak... You've got to do something about it. It's a strange thing. When, when men or women alike, even they're losing out with God and they see that they've got a problem, why don't they run into the presence of God? book of Acts and the place where they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled again with the Holy Ghost oh God let that happen in this men's meeting let us be refocused and redirected and let us understand that things are not most important Jesus said seek ye first Oh, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to have pastimes. And it's not wrong to be involved in in things that give you pleasure. But don't let them take precedent in your life. Church is number one. The house of God, the Word of God is the most important thing. And if I seek God first and I see that that precedent is set in my family as a father and as a husband... Then we can let God add those other things. Not preaching against having bass boats and four-wheelers and things that you can have. But if you've got to sacrifice church to work the hours to pay for it, then yes, it's wrong. Amen. So Jesus said to Martha, Martha, you've got too many things involved in your life right now. Amen. Mary has focused in at the feet of Jesus. And what she's getting a hold of cannot be taken from her. 
She's getting something that's going to last and stay with her. Amen. Our only hope, our only hope is that God will still send a preacher. Amen. And the presence of God will still touch our life. Amen. Amen. I want to read something else this morning in closing. I found this several years ago. I think I've only used it twice before. But just before I left yesterday, I thought about it and I went and found it. Amen. And I'm going to read this and I'll close. My child arrived just the other day, came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was, take, he was talking before I knew it, and he grew. as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. I'm going to be like you. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, and you know we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. It said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be just like him. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came home from college just the other day, so much like a man, I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. So see you later. Can I have them, please? When you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. I've long since retired and my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad. I just can't find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been nice talking to you. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me in the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. We're going to have a good time then. I'm telling you, we need to slow down. There's something more important today than things. More important than things. Amen. Stand and lift your hands and let's just give God praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help us today.